Hello, this is Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lengel. On today's show, the third week of October brings some lovely celebrations to the forefront. Today is actually National... Are you ready for this? Chicken and Waffles Day. I can't imagine why anyone would wait to celebrate this particular dish on one day out of the year. I mean, isn't this everyday breakfast? From the National Calendar Day website, chicken and waffles have been around for more than 150 years. While no one knows who put that first combination together, we do know that it was a staple of both African-American cooks and the Pennsylvania Dutch. Part breakfast, part supper, everyone enjoys chicken and waffles any time of the day. It actually started in 2021 at a chicken and waffle shop in Southern California. They founded National Chicken and Waffles Day. Third week in October is Free Speech Week, again from the National Calendar Day website. The idea for Free Speech Week was introduced in 2003 by the Media Institute, the American Association of Advertising Agencies, American Bar Association, Americans for the Arts, the National Constitution Center, and the National Endowment for the Humanities, united to help launch the first celebration in 2005. Again, Free Speech Week, it's worth noting that acknowledgement of free speech occurs during National Book Month, also October The third week of the month is also National Forest Products Week. The executive director of the Southern Forest Products Association will join us with some perspective on the lumber lumber industry. The NBA season started up again. That's what we're going to talk about first. Last night, the Pelicans took on the Brooklyn Nets. And while the Nets boast stars like Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, they were no match for New Orleans' Zion Williamson. That's right. Williamson was back on the court after sitting on the sidelines nearly a year and a half, recovering from injury. And with 25 points, he made his mark, helping lead the Pelicans to a 130-108 victory. Williamson wasn't the only star at the Barclays Center last night. We also saw the return of Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum, who played with Williamson as a trio for the first time in an NBA game. And, of course, we got a glimpse of one of the Pelicans' exciting new additions, Dyson Daniels, who comes all the way from Australia. To learn more about last night's game and what the rest of basketball season might have in store, Louisiana considered's Alana Schreiber spoke with Christian Clark, who covers the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate. Obviously, the big story of the night, Zion Williamson. He's finally back on the court. What was the return like for him? Uh, In a word, smiley. I've rarely seen Zion so happy in a Pelicans uniform. I mean, he was just had this ear-to-ear grin on his face throughout the entire game. Um, It was the first time he played in more than 17 months. The last time he played was, you know, still kind of during COVID times. Um, The roster around him is much different now. He's playing or in stadiums that are filled with people. Um, So I think it's an entirely new experience. Uh, He he just looked ecstatic throughout that game. Like I think he knows, hey, look, there's there's a lot of talent around me, and we've got a chance to be pretty good. In his return, Williamson paid tribute to Michael Jordan. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, on the team plane to Brooklyn, um, Zion wore a shirt that said, I'm back. And if you're familiar with the NBA, when when Michael Jordan announced that he was coming back into the league, he did it with the two-word facts in 1995. His agent, David Falk, wrote up a couple versions of a prepared statement. Jordan didn't like any of them. He came up with his own. 
just the, the simple two word answer. I'm back. And uh, yeah, it, you know, became a pretty big deal. Well, let's talk about some of the other players. Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum. What did we see from them last night? Towards the end of last season, Ingram and McCollum had this incredible chemistry. So now that Williamson is back, how did he fit into that dynamic? Yeah, so this was their first game as a trio. They didn't play at all together in the preseason. Brandon Ingram was out for four games with a toe thing. Um, CJ McCollum missed a few games with an ankle injury. So this was really the first extended run that those three got together. And I thought it looked great. I mean, they, they combined for 74 points. The Pelicans as a team had 31 assists. I mean, anytime you're over that 30 assist mark, that's a ton and a really good indicator probably that you're going to be successful. Um, I mean, I, I think collectively they understand they need each other to to get where they want to go. Um, I mean, I thought all were unselfish and, and really looked like they fit in, in the first game. We are speaking with Christian Clark, who covers the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate. Another player made his Pelicans debut last night, Dyson Daniels, the big Aussie in the Big Easy. Can you tell us a little bit more about him? He only got about three minutes on the court, granted, but what might we expect to see from him this season? The big Aussie in the Big Easy, that was nice. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, um, yeah, Dyson did make his debut. He came in when the game was decided basically um he was not part of the the regular 10-man rotation last night i i I think the pelicans are are still very very excited about being able to get him i thought dyson had a very nice preseason he's he's a very good defensive player for someone who is only 19 years old um he had a play in the preseason where he jumped up and like blocked this dunk attempt with his left hand, which is not his dominant hand. That was that was pretty crazy. Um, so I think an advanced defender for 19 years old, and he's just a guy who's going to fit in on the offense. Fan, he's not going to try to do too much. He's going to keep the ball moving, which is kind of what you want when you've got uh, a less star power already on the team. Well, afterwards, what did Coach Willie Green have to say about the game? What were some of his takeaways? I think he was pretty happy that the, that the team had 31 assists. I mean, Willie Green is a guy who. I think really values moving the ball. Um, and, you know, he seemed happy. I mean, I, I, throughout training camp, there was just this, this quiet confidence from, from Willie and all the players of, Hey, look, I think they thought we've got a chance to be pretty good. And that's not something that, that really happens with the Pelicans. If you follow this team, it's kind of this new thing where it's like there are actual expectations on this team uh, for the first time in a long time. The Pelicans did put away a victory last night, but it's just the beginning of the season. What are you expecting to see in the next couple of games against the Hornets, the Jazz, and the team that ultimately knocked them out of the playoffs last season, the Suns? Yeah, so they've got a really good chance to start the season 3-0. and The Hornets and the Jazz are not going to be very good teams this year. Uh, the Jazz, in fact, basically traded all their good players and I think are going to intentionally try to lose this year. So... That's big. I mean, the Pelicans, they never get off to good starts. I mean, they famously got off to a bad start last season, 1-12, and 3-16. So, you know, the fact that they have a chance to, to get to 3-0 is exciting. And that Phoenix game is, is going to be really fun. Uh, I mean, just a lot of good storylines there. Chris Paul and Willie Green are really close friends. Willie was the associate head coach under Monty Williams there for two seasons before he came into New Orleans. Uh, probably, you know, a, a lot of emotions still from that playoff series. So it should be a fun game. 
Well, the Pelicans' first home game will take place tomorrow. Zion Williamson back at the Smoothie King Center playing for the first time in almost a year and a half. What are you expecting from the fans? Oh, man. Um, there were, there was a lot of energy in the building in the open practice and, and the one preseason game the Pelicans held inside Smoothie King Center. You know, it's it's different. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of energy, and you usually don't get that until after football season is over. I mean, I, I think there's a chance that that happens right away this year while football season is going on because of what the Pels did last year. Um, so that part of it's exciting to me. I mean, I'm used to there's not a lot of eyeballs on the team, you know, until February or whatever. So this this might be a new thing for me, too. That sounds pretty exciting. Christian Clark covers the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Louisiana Considered's executive producer, Alana Schreiber. This is Louisiana Considered on WWNO and WRKF. Carl Lengel, your host. Just last week, Monday the 10th to be exact, our broadcast stations aired a news item on non-farm jobs in Louisiana. Here's that story to refresh your memory a little. Since 2006, rural areas in Louisiana continue to lose non-farm jobs, and economist Dr. Lauren Scott predicts the trend will continue among the 29 parishes outside the state's nine metropolitan areas. He predicts 1,000 jobs will be lost next year, and in 2024, 1,700 job losses. There's some things that are going on, but behind the scenes, there is just this general movement of people out of rural areas into metropolitan areas, and this is happening nationwide. Scott says, however, there are rural areas that are seeing a boon in job hiring in the timber sector. Now, that caught my attention, as the third week of October is National Forest Products Week. From the National Calendar Day website again, I love this website. (laughs) National Forest Products Week celebrates the essential role forests play in our environment and economy. Third Sunday in October kicks off the week. Developers, conservationists, producers bring to the table a wealth of knowledge, and critical areas studied include conservation practices, sustainability, educational resources, wood products, forest protection, urban forestry. There's a lot of things under this umbrella. Forests produce numerous products. For generations, it's supplied resources for paper, for building material and fuel. Beyond wood products, forests are also part of a broader ecosystem. Within those ecosystems, other resources are produced. Sustainable harvesting of forests requires careful conservation. Southern Forest Product Association, or SFPA, from their website now defining them, represents southern pine products and services around the globe, managing a comprehensive product promotion program. They're based in Louisiana. And joining us now is SFPA's executive director. He directs the programs. His name is Eric G. Eric, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Hey, thanks, Carl. It's good to be here. So let's start big picture. What interest does SFPA, Southern Forest Products Association, cover? Well, we're a, we're a nonprofit trade association, Carl. We've we're founded here in, in 1915 in, in New Orleans. So we've been around for a little over 100 years now. And, um, you know, 
easiest thing to do to say about what we do is um, we represent the lumber manufacturing industry. And that's basically people who take uh, round trees and turn them into square lumber. So. <laughs> that's that's pretty straightforward visual. I think that that clarifies it very much. And that's again southern forest. You're talking about a wide region beyond, obviously, the the state lines of Louisiana here. So we're talking about a major economic force in the U.S. economy. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people don't realize, but we have um, about 270 million acres of forest land in the southeast United States, and um, Southern pine is one of the strongest and densest softwoods around, which makes it a really good wood for for building with. It's uh, the southeast is known as America's wood basket because of the abundance of fertile soil and the favorable growing climate that we have here. So um, we have we have four primary tree species that grow for southern pine, what we call as a species group, and they all have about the same design values which make it easy to build with and easy to, um, easy to work with. So when we talk about this industry, I mentioned that it's, it's had its ups and downs. Obviously, we all took some hits in the pandemic. I want to talk about that in just a minute here. In the case of the lumber industry, do you feel like generally the political scenario is welcoming? Do you find them open ears when you come to Baton Rouge to talk to them? I would say yes. I think that from our from our standpoint, what the trade association does is we help DIYers, we help the design build community with information on how to use Southern Pine. We don't re- necessarily get involved with the lobbying aspect of, of things. Um, that's more in the realm of the Louisiana Forestry Association. But I can tell you that, you know, the, the forestry community is just a down to earth you know, roots in the ground type of community. They're just really the heart and soul of Louisiana and they're really good folks to get along with. And I think that the folks that the folks that that are boots on the ground, the, the guys working in the mills, the the people that these mills um, employ, the communities that they support are it's not lost on the legislators in Baton Rouge and the local on the local level and in, in Baton Rouge. And, you know, the state, the state uh, commissioner of agriculture, Mike Screen, is a is a huge supporter of forestry. So let's talk about the pandemic. How did Louisiana's lumber industry do? You know, early on, uh, Carl, it was just like every other industry. Um, supply shortages, uh, access to labor, transportation, all these bottlenecks occurred. Um, and not just, you know, you think about the, the whole supply chain, what it takes to get a tree from the woods to the mill and through the mill and, and from the mill to the Home Depot or the Lowe's to the retailer, and then finding somebody to, to use that in your, in your project. Um, there were issues along the whole length of that supply chain. And I, you, but, I I want to point out that's, you know, you would think that, oh, well, the, the, the Southern Pine, that's just a truck right away. It's It often involves not just trucking, but rail routes because things have to move. And in some cases, river barges and shipping. So you really were affected by however the industries typically moved things. It affected the lumber industry across the board. 
absolutely and um so it took a little bit of time to to iron those things out and while it, while we were ironing all that out everybody was staying at home during the pandemic and decided that they wanted to put a deck on the back of their their house and uh or wanted to do with a project that they've been holding up to do for a while and i got the time created right you got the time let's you know i'm i'm not going on vacation let's right. do something in the backyard and um so that there was a lot of demand for wood because people were looking to do outdoor living because they were not happy you know staying inside so um but the lumber industry the lumber industry in louisiana and across across the nation really um you know at at a time it was the demand was outpacing supply. It was just, there was just so much demand for it, um, especially during the beginning of the pandemic. But, you know, the lumber industry worked to match that demand. And, um, you know, in 2020, when we talk about the production of, of lumber, we had just below 20 billion board feet of lumber produced for the, in the Southeastern United States. Um, that increased to in 2021 to just slightly under 21 billion board feet so it was a little it was about a a five percent increase year over year and during the pandemic so a lot of people think that we we weren't producing lumber or that we you know lumber was uh curtailed and in some cases it was but production ramped back up and match the demand as best as it could and you know we're on for on track for another record year this year in in lumber production and to your to your credit everything that we just talked about most of business right now is feeling very threatened because either recession inflation there is some sort of external pressure and they're starting to pull back a little bit a lot of businesses but as we noted in the introduction here the lumber industry seems pretty healthy. You're hiring. How is that shaping what you're doing right now? And do you feel like it's going to continue through the future? It's important to note that the lumber industry has been around since the foundation of our of our country. Um, our our country in Jamestown used used trees to build homes out of. Uh, one of the reasons we separated from Britain was because they wanted to use our trees to build tall sailing ships um, for their fleets. Um, so that was part of the, that was a little known thing. It just wasn't the Boston Tea Party. But, um, you know, we're a, we're a longstanding industry in, in America. And we, our roots run deep here. And this is a long-term investment. The companies that are investing in Louisiana and in the South are here because number one, we have an abundant resource that we're not running out of. We have, we grow 50% more wood than we use annually. So we have more trees now, and I mean, than we really know what to do with. Um, so companies are investing in a long-term relationships with landowners and, and businesses in Louisiana, all throughout the Southeast because of our abundant fiber that's sustainable, renewable. And, you know, in this day and age, when everybody's talking about climate smart solutions and you, know, you can't get any more climate smart than growing wood, because uh, if we go back to when we were in school and took biology and we learned about photosynthesis, all you need is sunlight, water, and air, and 
this and, and nutrients and you've got these machines called trees that are sucking carbon dioxide out of the air and making oxygen and carbon. They've so, been part of that process that we've recently discovered called recycling since the beginning of time. Eric, this has been a pleasure and very informative. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Hey, you're welcome. Anytime. That was Southern Forest Product Association's Executive Director, Eric G. You are listening to Louisiana Considered on WWNO and WRKF. The third week of October is National Forest Products Week. Other goods that come from the forest include the fruits and nuts, the trees produced, fungi, herbs, medicines. The date started, this actualist celebration started September 13th. 1960, uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed the proclamation September 15th, and since then, each sitting president has honored that holiday. I'd love God, I'm a fellow man, take a wife and make a stand, be the givingest guy I can be. And when I get back to this neighborhood, there'd be a gigantic pile of wood, not see what's this I see. That's all the lumber, oh, that's your lumber, that's all the lumber you sent. Looks like the builder, man, he's got your lumber, that's all the lumber you sent. That's all the lumber, oh, that's your lumber, that's all the lumber you sent. Looks like the builder, man, he's got your lumber. That's called Kirwan, the lumber song. Well, I gotta tell ya, that's the show today. I'm Carl Lingle. This has been Louisiana Considered. Thanks to our guest, Eric G. of Southern Forest Products Association, and to Christian Clark, Pelican's reporter for the New Orleans Advocate. Managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our digital editor is Caitlin Umholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Procell, and Thomas Moore. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 7.30 in the evening. It's also available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to Louisiana Considered tomorrow. You will learn about the Rougarou Fest from WWNO's Coastal Desk, Kizia Sechawan. 
reports from Homa, where locals are gearing up for the family-friendly spooky festival that celebrates South Louisiana culture. And this year, the festival comes at the 200th anniversary of the founding of Terrebonne Parish. That's right, this year's Rougarou is a bicentennial celebration. Major support for Louisiana Considered is provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience with additional support from Southern Strategy Group.